Welcome to the Mama Matters podcast. Whether you're expecting, you've recently given birth, or you're just starting along your fertility journey, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty and sort back from fiction. I'm your host, Rosie Dumbrell, physiotherapist and pregnancy expert. Mama Matters aims to provide an easily digestible, up-to-date and evidence-based approach to pregnancy, birth and motherhood with a side dose of humour along the way. Interviews from the industry's leading experts and experience of my own adventures as a mother to three gorgeous boys under four. I want to share the stuff that helps to grow confidence throughout motherhood. Mama Matters is a podcast by Lenny Rose Active and this is what you can expect to hear in upcoming episodes. I like the word undisturbed birth and undisturbed birth is nothing about quietness or anything like that. (laughs) It's about the woman um, feeling free to do what she has to do to pick her baby up. Part of that is um, the midwife is waiting, waiting and then waiting. Welcome back. Welcome to episode three. I can't believe we are there already, but I really hope you found the information in our first couple of episodes supportive of your journey throughout this time. We are chatting today about anti and perinatal care, and there is still a small flavor of COVID-19 and how this sort of model of care is affected uh, in the current situation. But really the MO behind this episode was to really help you to understand all of the different roles of the caregivers that are available to you throughout the pregnancy to birthing journey and you know it really is my mission to help provide the most up-to-date and relevant information for women throughout the pregnancy to motherhood journey so I really hope that this episode contributes to that for you. Uh, One of the most amazing things that I did through all my pregnancies was to have the support of a midwife and we also had an obstetrician, the amazing Guy Skinner, who you can hear from in the first episode. Not everyone is lucky enough to be able to choose to have both in the private setting and so regardless of whether or not you go private or public with your care, I wanted to encourage you to understand the different caregivers that are available to you, their roles and also to uh, shed some light on how roles and I guess level of care is affected with the current pandemic situation. I interview the legendary Jan Island, founder of Midwives and Mothers Australia, a veteran midwife and devoted mother and grandmother. Thank you so much, Jan, for joining us um, today on the podcast. Um, I'm probably your biggest fan in life. <laughs> um, so I know how busy you are. And yeah, so I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us today. Total pleasure, Rosie. <laughs> I just am like, do I have to have a fourth baby so that I can, you know, hang out with you more? Or do I just start a podcast? And <laughs> Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad you've included me then. <laughs> I would hate anyone to have a fourth baby just to see me. <laughs> Well, you know, I have considered it. It's not off the cards. (laughs) So I would love you just for our listeners to explain the role of a midwife and how that differs from the role of an obstetrician and perhaps also um, just to touch on the role of a doula. I think that women um, often just sort of maybe, you know, go into a model of care that, you know, mimics what their best friend has done or, you know, they perhaps, you know, just kind of think that's the way that they should go, but they might not have explored all options and understand the different and discrete roles that are available to us along the journey. Yeah, so I think that the obstetrician, the midwife and the doula, they have closely related roles really. Mm. And I think the informed choice of educated women 
often does consider her roles today and mm. is interested in those different professional people anyway. First of all, I'll talk to you about the obstetrician and the doula. That's easier. And then about a midwife, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So an obstetrician, by their own admission, they, they've become a doctor, mm-hmm. a medical person, and then they've become a surgeon, so they're surgeons. Mm. So like you would expect the chef to be able to cook a good meal, you'd expect the surgeon to be able to do a good operation. Mm. And when uh, someone goes to a uh, an obstetrician for their birth, it p- sort of puts a flavour that that birth is a medical problem. Mm. And the obstetricians are mostly wonderful people, but they will solve a lot of problems to do with birth by surgery Mm. because that's their discipline and I understand that. Mm. And as a midwife, I understand that if I had surgical skills, I might damn well sometimes use them. Yes. (laughs) Especially when women were asking me to. So Mm -hmm. I think that explains what an obstetrician is. It's a doctor who specialises in women's health, gynaecological and obstetrically, yeah? Mm -hmm. So his role in normal birth probably is to stand back and let the midwives and the family and uh, work out what's happening mm-hmm. and to be called in if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And all over the world, that's what obstetricians um, do. Mm-hmm. Um, in Australia, obstetric practice has become uh, about 80% of people who go to obstetricians are anticipating normal births. Mm-hmm. So Australia's got a bit of a monopoly on obstetricians being the people you go to for birth, which in practice would be great if obstetricians and midwives and doulas all worked in a little team and you only got whichever one you needed. Yeah. <laughs> I have great respect for them and I use them a lot. Mm. See, a doula. So a doula is a person who is very interested in um, being a companion and a help and a support to pregnant women. So it's a very broad term, though. So I don't know if one doula might be interested in the culinary skills with a pregnant family. One might be interested in the breastfeeding part of it. And one woman might be interested in the education of the woman for normal birth or preparing for whatever happens. But basically, they're very nice people who want to be with women during labour and birth and before and beyond and they're picking up whichever skill set they like to. There isn't any that I know of in Australia, any registration or formal organisations of doulas education-wise. So it's very important to meet a doula and make sure that your needs and hers are on the same page. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that a midwife has a bit of doula in her. I work with doulas and the doulas I work with are heavily involved in just caring for the uh, women to do with uh, preparing for childbirth with nutrition and exercise and and being their companion during the whole process. Yep. I think that a midwife has a, a, um, a lot of doula in her, mm. but um, as a midwife is, is sort of, oh, got so many organisations um, telling her what to do, I guess mm. um, she can't always do that. So a midwife is a person who has trained often as a nurse and then as a, a midwife and to be a practitioner to look after 
someone through the normal process of pregnancy, birth and beyond. Mm -hmm. So a midwife should be able to have look after her own group of women who come to her and birth them wherever they want to be birthed. So my dream would be that um, a woman would say, yes, I want an obstetrician or I want a midwife um, and I want to have my baby at home, I want to have my baby in a private hospital, I want to have my baby wherever I want to have it and my midwife can come with me. So that can happen in some countries and in Australia we're moving closer to that. Mm. So the mum and midwives are now getting uh, bed rights at the women's hospital. Oh, that's great. As, mm. And their care rights at all the other hospitals. But still, I think that the place of birth isn't encouraged. What do you think, Rosie? Uh, as, do you mean at as a, at home? It's not I encouraged. I think women have the choice where to have their baby. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I feel like when you choose an obstetrician, you, you're choosing hospital birth and when you choose a midwife you perhaps have your options opened up to you quite a lot more that's kind of how I understand it to be and I find I feel like it's a little bit sad that we don't have um, more birth centres and places like that that a midwife run in Australia because you know for the normal birth you know is there need for obstetric intervention but I think one thing that I'm really glad that my beautiful friend Megan recommended me to to your services throughout my first pregnancy and obviously you've been there by my side for all three pregnancies but um, I think a lot of women don't understand that you know that midwife or that sort of doula or you know that person that they have as a support person is a very different role to their primary carer if that person is an obstetrician so they don't necessarily they're not going to sit there and hold your hand um, and rub your back but they are obviously you know trained to help you through the delivery process but you know it's really really important to have that person who can support you emotionally and a midwife I guess can do both of those things that's one of the most important support structures you can have in place during birth. I think the person that you know and knows you and knows what you want is really important to have with you and that Mm. often isn't the obstetrician, it's often your midwife. Mm. I don't think that the midwife does very much except be there with the woman and hold the space for what she actually wants. Mm, and, yeah. and the midwife knows what she wants and she also knows about normal birth. So mm. I would be happy to say that I know what normal birth is. I like the word undisturbed birth and undisturbed birth is nothing about quietness or anything like that. <laughs> it's about the woman um, feeling free to do what she has to do to pick her baby up. And part of that is just waking, waking and then waiting. Mm. And part of medical care is checking, taking an action, producing something, quickening it up, or mm. doing what will get out a healthy, normal baby the best way and quickest way possible sometimes. And sometimes hospitals have to be geared to that because they're very busy. But um, yeah. if I said what a midwife, what my job as a midwife is, is I get to um, be very close to my clients and I love them to bits. And um, I just want to be with them when they're having their babies and just make sure that they're okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're so amazing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're so amazing. Oh, I'm not sure how anyone has ever birthed a baby without you by their side. <laughs> well, a lot of people do. But I, I, I know. Think, um, I think it's just, um, I think my life as a midwife hasn't been that successful really because I think it's all focused on being just a midwife. I think I am a midwife. I think I'm defined as a midwife myself. 
Mm. And I think my family could give you a few <laughs> negative <laughs> points about that. And I'm sorry about that. And I love to, um, with my young midwives that uh, at my centre, I love to make sure that they're spending a, a sort of a balanced life. Yes, because you really have devoted your entire life to this amazing profession, and I that have. segues, yeah, segues really well into the next question: is and what is it that drives you to work so tirelessly with women? You know, you're now into your early seventies, and you give everything to this profession and to and to the women that you work with. And you know, do you can you sort of explain where that comes from? <laughs> I think I can because at a in my life as a person. There's the one time when I wasn't in charge of myself or able to cope at all was when mm. I was a very small child when my mother wasn't around sometimes. Mm. But mm. then when she came, I was fine. And then mm. as I grew as a woman, I was very confident and very naughty and very risque. <laughs> and, and, I'd love um, to say that. <laughs> and then the, the time when I was back being that very small child and unable to cope without my mother figure was when I was having my first child and mm. it was horrific and I lost myself completely. I mm. didn't know who I was and I ended up having psychiatric care. My marriage broke up. It was shocking. And so no one actually stood up for me. No one said, hey, let me look after you. I always no, remember I, how I, I will never not be there for someone. And I think it's a... Um, unhealthy passion but it's me it's who I am sometimes it's those sort of you know hard beginnings that drive us you know to be really successful and really passionate about things so I'm sure there are a lot of women that are grateful for that anyway <laughs> but I'm grateful for the, for the uh, psychiatric health of my clients really I seriously don't mind if my clients have a Caesar a faucet a pisiotomy all those things if that's what they want and that's what they need I'm not disappointed I'm disappointed yeah, yeah. if they've got postnatal depression or, or mm. you know, they can't get over those first rough weeks or they don't look mm. back on their birth as having some aspects of beauty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. women all through their lives are so grateful for their beautiful children that they don't mm. talk about their feelings enough. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the great things that you guys do as well is carry through women through into that postpartum period, which is so important as well. Oh, very much so. So for me, I'm this is a very challenge, big challenge for me to sit in my little unit here overlooking my beautiful park and mm. not be able to go out. Mm. So yeah. I have lots of my clients go past and wave at me at the window and lots of my babies I've delivered say, I want to hug Jam, but their mothers won't let them. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's more for, yeah, it's obviously for your. It's for my Got to preserve yeah. you at the moment, yeah. So, yeah, that segues well into our next question as well is, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected antenatal care in Australia in terms of service delivery during pregnancy and then also during birth? Well, it's, it's affected it greatly. Mm. One that young, a young mother um, and uh, and her partner are isolated from their extended family. That's enormous. Mm. So at a time when nature um, gives you such a joy as pregnancy and a, a newborn baby, the the village comes to help you, and you need that village to help. So it's usually in the form of an auntie or a mother-in-law or a dad. Someone comes to help. You know, if, whether it's to mow the lawn or you know, being a hot meal, and now that's gone. Mm. So mm. everyone's isolated. So I was talking to someone today and they're 
dad's got cancer and so the mum's looking after the dad and they can't come near the pregnant woman. And mm. They're isolated and they're caring uh, antenatal care. Well, what we're doing is we're talking to all our clients for about 40 minutes on the phone and then mm. we're having 15-minute face-to-face with them with a mask, mm. gloves and a gown on. Mm. And um, in my clinic, there's only one pregnant woman and one midwife at a time. So yeah. that's minimising infection, of course. There's a lot of people wanting home births now because they don't want to mm. go to the hospital. But I have to prioritise my midwife getting enough rest and also me not working and mm. um, the clients we already have. So I'd say half of our hospital births have gone to home births now. Yeah, which ordinarily you'd be probably jumping for joy about but it also places a lot more stress. The other way it's affected it is that um, independent midwives and doulas can't go in with people to hospital. There's only one person allowed in the delivery room. Yes. Yes, so mm. I've, I've quickly um, uh, addressed that and I've, I've got two wonderful doulas who are making up an education course um, and we're putting it online next week. Um, for, dads. for women to be able to access, oh, for dads, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And dads have female partners, of course. And support of partners, yeah. female partners now too. So mm. for the partners, to give them some clues about what doulas and independent midwives do to help women in labour in hospitals. That's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, what about like so say one of your um, clients goes into labour in hospital but you're not able to be there physically with them, is there like any other ways that, you know, I was thinking like could you Zoom in or FaceTime yeah, so in to sort of be there? So we've already virtually. done that. Um, we've already done that. So uh, yesterday I was able to send around my practice manager to someone's house while she's waiting for the midwives to come and then I was able to talk to the woman straight after the birth. But um, Marita, my beautiful Marita Howard midwife, mm. um, she spent a day and a half at home with someone getting them into established labour. Then the woman went into the hospital and she was on the phone to her most of the night and day and That's she found great. it so frustrating and so did the family, of course, but they were ever so grateful. I think you'd be just, yeah, just having that person to, to talk to I think would make, yeah, make a huge difference even if you're not there physically in person but at least that's one way that you can still sort of, you know, be there during the birth process to support a woman which is really good. Yes, and particularly at this time, Rosie, because um, the mm. hospital staff are so busy. Oh, well, um, thank you. Yeah, it's thank you so much for just sharing that. Um, So with the online course that you mentioned, um, is there a way that we can um, share access yes, to so that? With um, our audience. Yeah, so that'll be au on the website and that'll be starting to be advertised um, probably on Friday and will be happening in about 10 days. So that's a support um Teaching people package. how to uh, uh, sort of trying to teach their partners um, some things that doulas and independent midwives would be doing if they could be there. Mm, that's awesome. Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much, Jan, and I'll pop the link in um, the show notes to that. What an absolute wealth of knowledge Jan is and just one of the most humble caring and devoted humans going around so so grateful to have been able to grab a snippet of her time especially in amongst everything that's going on at the moment and while she's scrambling to provide the best level of support that her and her
her team can uh, given the current support restrictions. So just such a pleasure and, and so much gratitude. Obviously, there is a lot more to be discussed around service provision in terms of the public versus private debate, uh, what is available to you based on your geographical location. And also, obviously, one of the biggest things that will impact your service provision decisions will be around your financial uh, capacity. So definitely we'll be delving into these in upcoming episodes. Uh, If you would like to access Jan's online partner support program, I will make sure those are available in the show notes uh, as soon as that is up and running. I can't think of a better thing to be looking into at the moment, given the restrictions around number of support people at a birth and helping your partner to be able to support you in the best way possible through your birth is just one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And one of the other things we will be discussing in an upcoming episode is around hypnobirthing and I cannot recommend hypnobirthing highly enough. I've used it in all three of my pregnancies and births and one of the biggest premises is around just really developing and building faith and confidence in our body's innate ability to grow and to birth a baby and also around knowledge. You know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, knowledge is confidence and with knowledge we can empower ourselves to be able to ask the right questions and to ask for that which we need. And so not only that, but hypnobirthing also encourages us to surrender and to go with the flow and, you know, probably more pertinently than ever we really need to be able to do this so stay tuned for that in an upcoming episode as always you can contact us via our social handles at lenny rose active jump on over to our website and send us an email to hello at lenny and please if you're enjoying our episodes please shout us out on social media using the hashtag mama matters can't wait to catch up with you soon and stay safe ladies bye this episode is brought to you by Lenny Rose Active, Australian-owned, three-times mum and physiotherapist-designed luxe, active and technical wear for the pregnancy to motherhood journey. You can find us on lennyroseactive.com.au or on Instagram at Lenny Rose Active.